He failed to show how I got my boots. So, I was bidding on that sweet pair of armored boots on eBay. One of a kind. Of course, they came in brown. But I figured I would just paint them black. Anyway, you'd figure that Bruce Wayne would win any auction, right? Wrong! I was outbid by that whiny bitch Lex Looper and his motherfucking bag of Jolly Ranchers! Happy Valentine's Day, everyone, and welcome once again to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, or really the Batman Stuff You Should Know, as this show will continue to be until the release of The Batman in March. This has been the man who knows too much about Batman, and with me, as usual, are my co-hosts, Andrew Balsington III. The third. Never forget the third. Not and to be I'm... confused with the first and the second. <laughs> that was my father and his father before him. Mm-hmm. A long line of Balsingtons. Anyway, I'm joined by Skin Tight Vinyl. And a whip. <laughs> yes. I had, whip. To, I had to change my name to Skin Tight Vinyl, even though that's really a uh, Batman Forever reference that old Nicole Kidman says yeah. I figured was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. But it is, I mean, obviously was a Catwoman reference and probably one of the best ways to describe uh, for the nickname stuff. So in the lead up to the Batman, we're going to be covering the unmade versions of the characters will be in the Batman. We kind of started this already with the Penguin in December, and now we're doing it with Catwoman now. And also, it's Valentine's week, and what better way to celebrate than going over someone who's been Batman's wife in many continuities and the main romance in the upcoming movie. And we're recording this on the birthday of her creator and Batman's co-creator, Bill Finger, himself. So Oh, awesome. shit. It all lines together. I should know that. All right. February 8th, everybody. Yeah. Bill Finger's birthday. Mm -hmm. So some of this will be a bit of a recap of previous episodes. Some of it will be new, but whether you know the info or not, this will be a nice refresher before going into the Batman of the other versions of Catwoman that we didn't get to see. So let's dive in, starting with the Tim Burton, Julie Hickson treatment. So yes, Tim Burton co-wrote a treatment with his girlfriend at the time, Julie Hickson, in 1985, where Catwoman had a cameo along with Penguin and the Riddler, and the Joker was the main villain already. They crashed the circus, so we have all the villains from the 1966 movie at once, which is why I had our research assistant, Dan, bring up this picture from the 66 movie. Catwoman was disguised, quote-unquote, sexily decked out as a trapeze artist, and then applies the acid that kills the Graysons. So literally, Catwoman... Shows up, kills the Graysons, pieces out. That was, I remember that was us it. talking about this. Yeah. Yes. So this likely would have been rewritten because I just don't see this really happening. Obviously, the treatment was never made, but this would have definitely solidified her as a villain for Robin. And I also don't like the idea of Catwoman killing innocent people. You know, getting revenge mm. on criminals like Max Shrek or Bane, like we saw in the movies. Sure, but she flat out murders innocents. Uh, there's not much redemption for her. She's kind of just now in solid villain territory as opposed to anti-heroing. So didn't really care for that. Glad that we didn't get that. And the next instance we see of Catwoman in an unmade script is in Steve Englehart's Batman treatment in 86, which we covered last year. Specifically, his first treatment from March 1986, where there are hints to Catwoman, 
Dick Grayson, when he meets Batman, says that he remembers that Batman worked on the quote-unquote really spooky Catwoman case before they went <laughs> to the film, which is a weird way to describe her. Like, yeah, spooky, spooky about it. I don't know. Maybe there was some supernatural element to it. Maybe she was also resurrected by cats like Michelle Pfeiffer. Who knows? I but, think he was just like, women think, are mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. They scare spooky. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of imagine it. They, I'm afraid of them. <laughs> he probably, maybe she was wearing that mask that she wore in her first appearance. It's just like a yeah. cat head. That's pretty, you know, creepy, I guess. That That's is, yeah. true. That would be creepy. Yeah. Yes, like a furry Andrew. cat head, but like an old lady body or something. <laughs> That would be that'd be good horror imagery for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Andrew and I have been talking about that in the Patreon. So uh, we were going over the mm. different origins of Catwoman, and of course, the first thing we talked about was the evolution in the comics, and that was that was her costume for six years, six whole years. I'm just I was surprised. I thought it would be like wow. a couple issues, but like when I looked into it, we didn't really get to see the traditional one until uh, 1946, and she first showed up in 1940. So. That's, took a while. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about compared to some characters that I feel like they were fully formed and in their iconic uh, version, like right off the bat. Right. I mean, if you yeah. think about like Joker, they basically have broken the mold so many times, like it always just goes back to the way he looked in the very beginning. But mm -hmm. it's interesting to think about Catwoman, whose look is like, really hasn't been settled, I guess, until like the last couple decades. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's you look at the first penguin appearance. He looks like the penguin. You look at the first two face appearance. You get the you get the full origin. You get his look is down. Sure. He's called Harvey Kent instead of Harvey Dent. But like his actual mm -hmm. look is there. And then, you know, we've got Catwoman in kind of like this dress and a cape for many yeah. decades until we get like the just more utilitarian skin tight look that she's got. So it took a while to get there, but I think what we finally found something that I think makes the most sense, you know, like if Batman's going to be dressed like a bat, make her look like a cat. It's fine. So it was probably just an early generation of young readers that were like, that's not my cat woman. <laughs> <You know? laughs> she, she has to look wears a cat mask. His, yeah. She wears his cat mask. <laughs> not true to the source material. No. So, at the end of Englehart's treatment, Batman and Robin go off into the night, and it says that in a nearby alley, a costumed female figure watches unobserved. We pan around to see her face. It is the Catwoman, stroking her beautiful chin with a calculating gleam in her beautiful eyes in preparation for the sequel. Beautiful chin and beautiful eyes, apparently. Stroking so, her okay. furry chin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> her spooky chin. So Spooky uh, chin. <laughs> I would have been interested to see where Englehart was going to take Catwoman, because... In none of his comic runs, uh, Catwoman doesn't show up. He didn't really write for the character uh, in his famous Fucking run. sexist. <laughs> he had Silver St. Cloud instead. Can't believe him. <laughs> yeah, he was up Silver St. Cloud's ass. He couldn't think about any other His own creation. For sure. I guess that's yeah. not sexist. That's just another <laughs> yes. woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the next script is the first time we have Selena Kyle being considered to be the female lead of this movie. And it comes from the comedy gold that is... Bob Kane's The Return of oh, Batman. <laughs> so this, this was a this was a good episode we did. If you yes. haven't checked this one out, go <laughs> go check it out. So I'm gonna recap the Catwoman stuff, but this led into a famous, infamous part of our podcast because Bob Kane infamously wanted a quote unquote ten plus broad for the role. His specific words were Catwoman is the epitome of sexual pulchritude, using a ten plus actress in physical demeanor such as 
Barbara Carrera on the left here, and Jacqueline Bissett on the right. So I pulled up. Sexual and what, then? <laughs> Polkritude. Polkritude. Is what he, Pol- I'm betting he did not write. Actually, I don't think he actually wrote this part. This feels like it's not his vocabulary. <laughs> what, is, what does that mean again? Ah, fuck it. Who gives a shit? <laughs> so... I had Dan. I had Dan basically pull up the pictures of the women that Bob Kane was clearly lusting after when he was trying to figure out who uh, should play Catwoman for his treatment of it. So here we are. Here, here are those women. We didn't get to see them I've, visually in the. I've looked it up. Pulchritude <laughs> is just means beauty. <laughs> Sexual beauty. Yes. Yes. Pulchritude. Yes, he also called her a sexy and devious fox who has an ongoing cat and mouse. <laughs> that's what set, that's part man. of what set us off on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, <laughs> Batman has quote unquote a secret yen for Catwoman's body, and his and but also an ever pursuing campaign to reform Catwoman from her life of crime, uh, and that uh, Batman, of course, is human and does have libido for beautiful and sensual women. This is all written by Kane or his ghostwriter in the treatment. Um, Look at Robin's <laughs> purple hair. Oh yeah, that too, on air. Um, yeah. And that's her just scratching the shit out of his uh, tunic right there with her claws. But yeah, this is the classic <laughs> Batman and Catwoman stuff. She yeah. looks shocked at her own actions too. She's like, "Whoops! Damn it! I was trying to go yeah. for the face." <laughs> so, in this treatment, uh, Kane did, or whoever wrote this for Kane, had kind of a cool idea uh, outside of the comedy here, which is that. Uh, they're kind of a there's kind of a cat and mouse game of Batman and Catwoman trying to figure out each other's identities. Uh, Batman is curious to know who Catwoman really is, according to Kane, and Coach suspects her of being society jet setter Selena Kyle, who steals from the rich as Catwoman in order to pay for her high swinging lifestyle. And then at the same time, Catwoman suspects that Bruce is Batman, and they kind of keep trying to discover the other's identity when they're in both guises. So I thought that was kind of cool on it. Yeah. In some, it's it's a gem in something that's. Just full of shit in this treatment. A small, so. tiny speck <laughs> of shiny diamond. <laughs> There's always something. So in this treatment, Catwoman teams up with Joker to kidnap Russia's leading athlete, Ivan Stanovich, and hold him hostage for $100 million to keep him from competing in the Olympics before they begin. Uh, Selena Kyle is also dating Bruce Wayne, and on a date in Wayne Manor, she accidentally discovers Bruce's secret identity as Batman. But... Bruce then hypnotizes her into forgetting, and uh, that's that. So it was extremely pointless. It's easy <laughs> so, to hypnotize these broads. Yeah, the 10 plus ones especially. The 10 plus ones, they ain't too smart. So uh, Catwoman, of course, redeems herself in double-crossing Joker and teaming up with Batman and Robin to help them save Ivan Stanovich. So that's kind of the general subplot for her. But yeah, this is kind of the first time where you... Catwoman's considered to be the lead. Zach? What do you think her costume would have looked like in this iteration? Do you think it would have been close to like the Julie Newmar outfit from the 60s show? Potentially, I feel like Kane might have wanted to go with this classic look here that we've got with the, uh, with the, the green dress cape and the green and the cape. Dress. Yeah, because we have we've never really gotten that, you know, like Julie Newmar's version True. was kind of like the early version of the full skin, skin tight catsuit type with the um, with the mask and the ears instead of the cowl. Uh, but this is the classic one that we've never really gotten before. Maybe if they did Catwoman in the serials, maybe she would have had this type of look in it, but they didn't. So she's never really looked like that. Maybe that's where they would have gone with. There's not much of a description from what I remember in the treatment on what her costume would have looked like. I always 
Yeah, I always think the like '66 Catwoman outfit was pretty um, influential to like future uh, mm-hmm. visuals for Catwoman because I think at the time she hadn't been in like a black bodysuit. I feel like at that time, mm-hmm. like Catwoman in the comics has had a weird like green scaly like bodysuit, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like weird how they just went with something that seemed to fit a little bit better than what was going on in the current comic book uh comic continuity for her Mm -hmm. yeah i think um that was probably one of the biggest contributions to it from the 60s show when it comes to catwoman outside of obviously julie newmar herself but uh one of the big things was that costume obviously influenced a lot that came afterwards i mean just look at anne hathaway in in the dark knight rises it's pretty much like a modernized Mm -hmm version of the same look which was surprising mm-hmm. of course because we didn't think that that was going to be what nolan was going to do with the character mm-hmm. but that is the bob kane take or bob kane's ghost writer but uh you know check out more details in that episode but uh, the next time that catwoman would show up was in sam ham's unmade batman 2 script from our unlimited what <laughs> batman returns script deep dive episode <laughs> so uh this was not batman returns as we know it but it was Sam Hamm's original version of the sequel to Batman 89, and it had a very different take on Catwoman, who was described as, quote, exotic, vaguely Eurasian features. She's dark and elegant, fine-boned, regal of bearing, and her name, though we don't know it yet, is Selena Kyle. So that was Selena's description in this. And some fine, fine bones. bones. <laughs> fine bones. Indeed. I wonder so, what Eurasian is supposed to be like that... <laughs> like Kazakhstan or some shit <laughs> like <laughs> like kind of ne- the near east as it were I don't near know it's interesting description. or or a uh, mixed blood oh Caucasian yeah. I didn't Asian, even think about that potentially yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. this Selena Kyle is very different she's a hired killer who uses sexuality to lure her prey in so she's a little closer to poison ivy um, she has razor sharp nails that act as claws and she ends up committing crimes to frame Batman her costume is described as, quote, clad in inky black leather from head to toe. The intruder's face, her face, is concealed by what appears to be a bondage mask studded with hmm. openings for the eyes and mouth. It spans one incongruous touch, a pair of pointed cat ears. So the visual I have here is from the comic Catwoman, Her Sister's Keeper, where, well, Selena does literally use a bondage mask and cat suit that her pimp Stan gives to her as a gift that she now uses as a costume against him as Catwoman, so that that's butt. kind of the closest. And that butt, yes. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> so the visuals really just showing off her ass, everybody. It's true. It's a it's true. It's yes. a normal reaction, uh skin tight. <laughs> also so. look at look at the pose. Like in reality she would fall off. Her yeah. feet are so far back on the like pedestal or whatever she's standing on in the, in the cityscape. She should be falling forward. You don't know not how physics. strong her ankle muscles are, man. Okay. And she's in heels. Yeah. So don't even worry about it. <laughs> heels she's literally, up. she's, I'm she's, uh, it's all on her toes on that little, uh, like little surface area of whatever she's standing on. So <laughs> it, yeah, it does make sense though. Like, like the year one, like, uh, origin for Catwoman, like the bondage mm-hmm. outfit is kind of makes sense. And to me, this is like, a more like straight to the point, like BDSM uh, influence than like Burton's Catwoman mm-hmm. with like the vi- like stitched stitch together vinyl. I know a lot yeah. of people like said that was the 
that was what they saw whenever they looked at it was like BDSM gear, but this is kind of like right on the nose. Well, they also might have been referring to this concept art that we talked about in the Batman <laughs> Returns ah, concept art. So. I show a half a nipple. <laughs> half a nip on this. <laughs> half nips. That should have been your name, Andrew. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. I forgot. If I had only remembered, I don't know how I could have forgotten. You should remember every single thing we talk about. <laughs> I know. But especially this these one. recap episodes, yes. So for the listener again, <laughs> this is the concept art with like she's showing half her tits including half of her nipples she's got a boob window too like wh yeah why why go half nip whenever you whenever you can just do the whole thing at this point <laughs> she's you also know? got a giant titillating andrew i know yeah <laughs> you, the, think it's a you don't mole show or it's a, a beauty mark or some sort of tattoo i think it's a fucking pro uh uh just a on the paper man is you that really part of the art a booger on there i think Maybe, it's a booger yeah. Guy accidentally put a sharpie to that part, and like, whoops. Yeah, uh, I don't think that'd be a mole or anything. I don't know why you would pretty put big a black one. mark there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, also, the masks and just the overall sexualized getup reminds me of the Holly Berry Catwoman from 2004. Yeah. So I don't know if they this was an influence on that uh, costume, but it looks closest to that. And you can kind of see in the background. I'm not sure if this is done over something else, but it almost looks like this was done over another drawing with some long hair and hair. cat ears. Yeah, I always yeah. that. Yeah. So what's interesting, and I don't think this is necessarily concept art for the Sam Ham script, but Sam Ham script does specify at one point that Batman grabs a handful of Catwoman's hair uh, during the fight, which means that in the script, it's implied that Catwoman's hair is exposed, like the Julie, Julie Newmar, mm. Lee Merriweather, Eartha Kitt style of Catwoman. So... That's interesting because that's not what I originally thought of when I first read it. Mm -mm. I was more thinking of this, you know, with her sister's keeper or this one for the concept art. So it's interesting. This is that for this Batman Returns, this... right, Ben? Yeah, it's for Batman Returns. So unless it, yeah, they come out and say like, mask eh. that we saw. Yeah. yeah. It just ends up looking like a ghost squid is floating by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing it's I white out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the that's kind of what the look was going to be for the Sam Ham version. Uh, Catwoman and Penguin, as we talked about before, were out to find these raven statues that relate to the old rich families of Gotham and point to a treasure that the family stole years ago that made them all rich, including the Waynes. So the Waynes' fortune is built off of stolen money in the Sam Ham version. Catwoman herself kills the members of the five families, and again, it's back to like serial killer Catwoman murderer catwoman no not a huge fan of this personally i'm just like you know some of our fans have said like we would love to see the sam ham script adapted and if they were to do it i'd probably switch her out with a different character honestly um on it. i know that she's not as iconic but uh potentially i was thinking magpie who's another thief uh from the comics and stuff mm -hmm. and this is magpie on the right from beware the batman who's also got the sharp claws and the you know sort of sexual costume and stuff and plus magpie is a bird ties in with penguin so that's my vote if they ever decide to uh do an animated version of this of course they won't but who knows man we'll figure this cover out. looks like it's from the 80s it, it is, is a punk rocker yeah, yeah. legends her legend hair story. got an upgrade yeah. for sure oh yeah. yeah yeah that's didn't uh not too great <laughs> I mean, I yeah. like 80s punk rock and shit, but that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, whatever. Whatever well, you want to yeah. do. 
whatever the white hair look from beware the batman then went into the comics and then that influenced when they adapted magpie for uh, gotham and and batwoman so there's actually there's two live action magpies uh it's crazy the world that we live in but yeah there's two Uh, magpies and only one green lantern (laughs) so far so far yeah in live action damn Damn. so this version of selena kyle in the sam ham script the serial killer version was actually going to be working for one of our old haunts the Flugelheim Museum in the 89 movie, where she helps with fundraising. As we discussed in the 89 uh, concept art stuff, this building was actually based off of a dentist office in uh, in Japan. In Kyoto, but, right? Yeah. In Kyoto, yeah. Mm. yeah. Fucking dentist office, dude. <laughs> so Bruce ends up meeting Selena at this point in Flugelheim Museum. Uh, but in the script, Selena's not the main love interest. Vicky Vale's still the main love interest. So Catwoman kind of serves to make vicky jealous in this storyline but there's not really a separate love story with selena i think selena intrigues bruce uh and he has to talk to her in order to investigate the crime that he's investigating but he's not uh actually considering her like as like a serious new girlfriend or anything like that in this uh another nice touch from sam ham is that in the script selena has a cat named hecate which is the name of catwoman's cat in the old comics as well as lee merriweather's cat in batman the batman 66 movie so that is a deep cut there that Sam Ham is going off of. Mm. And uh, yeah, as mentioned before, Penguin and Catwoman find the location of the buried treasure is under Wayne Manor in some kind of cave, says Penguin. <laughs> but he looks at the blueprints, which of course means the Batcave. So they end up storming the mansion and Catwoman herself ends up fighting Batman in the armory room from Batman 89, which we thought would have been an amazing sequence that we sadly didn't get to see. But the closest that you're ever going to see to that happening is thanks to our fan Logan Wood, who put that together here. Here is Keaton's Batman versus Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman inside the mm. armory room from Batman 89 to sort of bring that to life. Man, if this is awesome art for one, like mm-hmm. cool Photoshop skills going on here. But also, like, Ben, if we if we ever get our hands to make a Batman film, mm-hmm. we got to bring back the armory room. It's so oh, cool. Yeah. Like, it's never been brought back, right? It's It's only in the first one, right? Uh, in the movies, yeah. I think yeah. Jim Lee kind of has a little bit of a tribute of it in All-Star Batman and Robin, of all places, but it's in the Batcave. It's not in, in Wayne Manor. Oh, uh, yeah. I would have, I would do this or something yeah. like it, you know? It's Japanese. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen Catwoman, like, whipping off the heads of the statues and, like, pulling oh, them down the whip, on yeah. the Batman. Yeah. yeah, like, as he's coming towards her. That would have been mm-hmm. really cool. That would be cool, yeah. That so, would be destroying some fucking fine art for sure. Historical yeah, artifacts. But, yeah, but when you've got when you've got the villains there, you kind of need some destruction. Yeah, that's true. For the fight. Yeah, yeah. So oh, man. fight ends up in another room where Catwoman leaps on a chandelier to swing and attack Batman, but Batman <laughs> cuts the line with one of his gadgets and she falls, but is only injured. She's not killed, and um, she actually wants Batman to kill her, but he refuses. Uh, and she even tries to slit her own throat with her claws, but Batman knocks her out instead, and the cops arrive to arrest her, possibly to leave her alive for a future sequel. So that's an interesting take on the character. But obviously, uh, the version we got with Michelle Pfeiffer, I think, is is the superior one. It's a lot more Absolutely. deep, a lot more, yeah, a lot more morally gray. Uh, this script was thrown out. However, a fan of ours, Braxton Wages, did bring up an interesting point in one of his comments. So... Surprise Joker's fireside chat, if you will. <laughs> Indulge us, Zach. <laughs> oh, man. Woo-wee, all right. We're changing things up. <laughs> I know, we'll get a little... 
We'll get a little early Joker voice then. <clears throat> well, looky here, kiddies. Little Braxton Wages has written to your old Uncle Joker. He says, Dear Uncle Joker, <laughs> I remember an old video back in the day after the first Batman movie came out. It was called Batmania. And it was the <laughs> history of the character up until present day. And I would watch that religiously. It was my god. <laughs> anyway, on the tape, they talk about possible actors rumored to be the next villains in the 1989 sequel. They had Robin Williams as the Riddler, Danny DeVito as Penguin, and <laughs> LOL, and behold, singer-actress <laughs> Cher as Catwoman. After hearing Sam Ham's description of Selena Kyle, I realized this must have been a very serious casting consideration, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Braxton. <laughs> yes, thank yes. you, Braxton. Almost. So, yeah, Cher was um, rumored actually twice for the role of Catwoman, both uh, around the time of, uh, you know, between 89 and Batman Returns. But also, when I was looking this up, I also found articles of rumors about Cher being Catwoman for The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> what? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I remember that, too. <laughs> and I was Dude. like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. Back in the 90s, sure. For Christian Bale in 2012, no yeah so, i mean this picture happen. here i mean you can kind of see it i mean why not yeah yeah back in uh i remember seeing know, something about her her as catwoman and uh dustin hoffman as the penguin it was like an early magazine article or something mm -hmm. i've seen it i've actually like read it now and it's mm -hmm. weird to think about yeah because i think hoffman guy. specifically yeah hoffman you're you can see him as like a burgess meredith type penguin but not the yeah. uh, devito type at all mm. so uh mm. let's go into some of the other actresses who were up for the 1992 batman sequel the one who infamously campaigned for the role sean young so oh yeah sean young originally was cast as vicky vale for 89 until an injury led to her being recast with kim basinger unfortunately so young wanted to return to the franchise so desperately her method however turned off the producers and the director so her method was to dress up in her homemade catwoman outfit which is what we got here which is where she's got she's got a cape um as well as a catwoman mask and she went on the wb mm -hmm. lot in character to demand the role apparently tim burton hid in his office to prevent seeing her <laughs> when this was happening um and uh, Sean Young ended up going on the Joan Rivers show with the costume to talk about her campaign for the role, which is where these pictures come from. They don't come from her trying to crash the, mm -hmm. the WB lot. They come from her talk show appearance <laughs> later on. this in the WB studio. <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, ah! she's waiting. And she was attacking. In the lobby. Yes. <laughs> and she's doing all these poses. So It yeah. would have changed her life, though, you know? It would like, have, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. It's kind of sad. Yeah, yeah um young I like was... the commitment yeah, yeah yeah um i've not seen the full footage of her on the john rivers show uh, i do know however that when she was cast for vicky vale the idea was very different from the kim basinger version for vicky vale she was um sean young is not blonde um she's not really a redhead either but maybe they're going for like a dark red uh brownish type of look for her hair um but also in the early script for 89 the inspiration for Vicky Vale was um, 
oh, I forgot the actress's name, but um, <clears throat> she was the lead in His Girl Friday. So we're talking like 1940s film noir type of reporter, gutsy reporter, almost like a Lois Lane type uh, okay. for this role. So it was a it was a different personality to Vicky Vale in the original scripts, and that's who Sean Young signed up to play. And then when the script sort of got rewritten and rewritten and that personality started to get a little bit more stripped away. Um, Sean Young was being less and less happy about it during the table reads and a lot less uh, enthusiastic in her performance on the table reads on this, which I can understand considering, um, you know, your partner's becoming less interesting, but still as a professional, you, you got to bring it. So um, mm -hmm. the producers were almost relieved, it seemed, when they had an opportunity to recast uh, on this, but um, you know, it's, it's an interesting, what could have been if she was Vicky Vale. So uh, that is Sean Young's campaign for Catwoman, but she did not end up getting cast. The actress who did end up getting cast was Annette Benning. Annette <laughs> Benning was the original casting choice for Selena Kyle. This is an image of Benning in the movie, the grifters where I thought she looked a little Selena Kyle like, um, mm -hmm. in this image. Benning, mm -hmm. however, ended up getting pregnant by Dick Tracy himself, Warren Beatty, her <laughs> husband. So, uh, so yeah. Warren Beatty made her <laughs> not the Catwoman. <laughs> Warren Beatty helped make Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, have, yep. we have Warren Beatty just to thank. I mean, Tracy. if they want to get pregnant, sure, but it's just an interesting turn of events, you know? Yeah, yeah. What's also <laughs> interesting I noticed recently is that... Um, Kenneth Branagh is doing the uh, Poirot movies. You know, first was Murder on the Orient Express and yeah. the other one's Death on the Nile, which is coming out uh, or has come out by the time this, this is released. And Michelle Pfeiffer was in Murder on the Orient Express and now Annette Benning's in Death on the Nile. So I'm just oh, like, this shit. is interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's a little and he directed there. Thor 1. Yeah. And he cast Hemsworth and Hiddleston. So, you know, guy knows what he's doing. And he uh, was Dr. Arliss Loveless in Wild Wild West. Most importantly. Well, God yes. damn. His most famous, his most famous his greatest uh, role. role to date. I yes. think yes. Whedon, who was almost a he who should not be named at this point, <laughs> he cast uh, Hemsworth, actually. Wait, really? Yeah, because they worked on um, Cabin Fever or oh, something together. He'd, oh, oh. He, yeah, Kevin Cabin in the, in the woods. woods. Kevin in the Woods. He, That's it, yeah. yeah. So he... Uh, I'm was sure actually he helped. Movie. I don't know if he... I don't know how much was... Like, who made what decision on that. Let us know in the comments. Maybe Brannick had the final say. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Well, we can give him credit for Hiddleston, at least. So... Yeah. Uh, and Ed yeah. Benning drops out because she's pregnant. But there were Catwoman cowls made of her face, as we covered in the, uh, the oh, concept yeah. art episode. So uh, these cowls actually cover Catwoman's nostrils. Uh, and this was revised when Michelle Pfeiffer was cast because they're just like, well, I can't breathe out of this thing. So it's, it's yeah, interesting to see this. Yeah. She, since they have her head form here, mm -hmm. uh, she came in, I would assume, for what's known as a life cast. Yeah. Which is where they always say you put is that where you put straw in your nose? Straws in your nose? Like, no, that's hardly ever happened. It probably only happened in like the twenties or thirties once. <laughs> but they do put goop all over your face. Yeah. And it's a way to uh, you know, get a get this head form here. So mm -hmm. uh and it's just interesting, like, yeah, she was definitely I don't know, well, we've already covered it, but it, yeah, she definitely like had the role if she was going mm -hmm. in for this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So pretty close, pretty close. Kind of similar to Sean Young or Vicky Vale, where like she had the role. She was there for table reads and stuff. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer was a last minute replacement and was almost a last minute replacement for Vicky Vale in uh, 89 as well, oh, according shit. to Robert Wool. But uh, the person who said no on that was actually Michael Keaton on, yeah. uh, on 89 because uh, he and Michelle Pfeiffer dated. And uh, <laughs> I did not know that, actually. How do I not know that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but then I guess enough time had passed by the time Batman Returns came out that he was just like, yeah, sure. Why not? So, yeah, yeah. Oh, she'd probably be all right. Pfeiffer was <laughs> honestly Pfeiffer would have been wasted as Vicky Vale. Now that we've oh, seen yeah. her as Catwoman, there's no way yes. like that she would have she would have done her best. But like, it's it's not nearly as as intricate of a character so i mean sorry for her other roles but like if she like kicks the bucket at any point and they play an immemorium it's like the last clip they play is like the finale <laughs> like that's that's i'm what i'm saying that's pfeiffer's role mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. life unless she pulls out i mean maybe to us anyway maybe it's some other shit too mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure there is but well, there's scarface in her saying to never get high on her own supply but i feel like that's not <laughs> not as obviously scarface is al pacino's <laughs> thing more so than uh, michelle pfeiffer's on this so yeah i mean i, Dude, I agree Catwoman before over everything before else talks of whitewashing came up really big and before fucking like representation mm-hmm. became a really big topic like I don't know, like 10 years ago or something, I finally saw Scarface for the first time. Mm-hmm. I pop in and I'm like, he's fucking Latino in this? <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking could not believe it. I thought it was going to be, he was an Italian gangster. Which like, is the original, just, the original Scarface, he's an yeah. Italian gangster. I could not buy the whole fucking movie. Just because <laughs> he's, I just couldn't buy him as a fucking Latino. That's interesting. I think I'm so I was so used to seeing clips of it beforehand that I just bought it already when watching it. You know, so I was just is, like, all right, this is his. This is that's, what he did. That's one of those I, movies that yeah. uh, it is like supposed to be this iconic piece of cinema, but I uh, <laughs> I don't it's kind of a cartoon. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I've seen it one time, and I was like, okay, I don't know. It just kind of was that mm-hmm. was it for me. We got yeah. more statements here, but I I agree. It's it's it was like all right. I'm, yeah, it's weird that yeah, he's there's, Latino. <laughs> there's the Godfather school and the Scorsese school of stuff, and then there's these other gangster movies that are like revered, but then you watch them and you're just like, in comparison to Godfather and like Goodfellas and Casino, this is a cartoon. Like um, yeah. it's like Scarface, and even like I do like the Untouchables, but it's an R-rated cartoon. Like it is, <laughs> yeah. it is over the top. It is not does not. It's not super deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not at all the same level as as these others on it so it's interesting to to see the mm-hmm. you know we revere the gangster era but it's really for like a handful of, of movies and these a lot of the others are just like okay i can see why it's popular but it's not the, it's not quite the same level of these others so yeah yeah another um, bold statement here but i might like goodfellas more than godfather anyway that's oh definitely me. yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, I, love I, didn't, I like both I like yeah. both. They're my they're my top two of that genre. I would say it's lighter. They're lighter. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot more comedy. <laughs> Definitely yeah. a lot more comedy in uh, in Goodfellas. I rewatched it the other uh, oh, the shit. other night actually because um, well Matt Reeves it also cited Goodfellas. Well, he cited both. He cited both Godfather and Goodfellas as uh, inspirational in different ways for the Batman. If, but... <laughs> I feel like if you're a filmmaker like at that level, it's Any like yeah, ins- my inspirations were <laughs> Citizen Kane. <laughs> Um, Virgo, uh, but there's 2001, 
<laughs> Metropolis, The definitely. Shining, yes, not the, the, the Shining, and um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest for sure. <laughs> you know, there's an asylum. <laughs> I've definitely I've an asylum all in this. Of them. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> you no, know. but he, the, um... the Batman is in the Arkham <laughs> Asylum. Yeah, <laughs> at some but point, the <clears throat> one thing that he brought up for since we're on this Goodfellas tangent is that uh, it was the level of violence that uh, yeah. uh inspired Ooh. it and i can kind of see why like the part one of my favorite parts in goodfellas is when ray liotta's got the gun and he goes to the neighbor who beat up uh, his girlfriend and he just smashes the guy's face in, in front of all the other guys and, mm -hmm. and I, I watched it I, when i rewatched it i'm just like this is the original i'm i'm vengeance scene this is the original oh, scene the guy cool, beats the yeah. shit out of a guy in front of all the other guys who just look on being like oh fuck and like it's that's, that's cool. probably the inspiration for that so uh, we'll cool. cover that more we'll do a a Patreon episode on the cinematic influences that Reeves has cited on it. But yeah. Uh, awesome. But back to Batman Returns, which is very much influenced by uh, German expressionism. Cinema. Metropolis. Metropolis. Yeah. <laughs> Nosferatu. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so man. Uh, the there's different things in the scripts that did not make it into the final movie for Batman Returns. So. Uh, one thing is Selena was going to get a message on her answering machine from a rape prevention class asking her to take another class. This was supposed to provide an explanation of how she knows how to fight in terms of like, how does this secretary of Max Shrek take on Batman, you know, in like 30 minutes. So uh, we'll get another explanation later, but that was kind of an attempt to. Uh, she one. had crazy broad powers. At that <laughs> point. Yeah. After You're she fell to, out of the window, a little, yeah. Kind of yeah, Batman can't, just can't. He gets confused by her feminine wiles. <laughs> so, in the original Daniel Waters draft, Selena arrives at Max Shrek's office just when Penguin's leaving after a meeting with Max, and Max thinks that she saw the Penguin with him, and because of that, Max tosses her out the window, which actually makes more sense to me than him wanting some sort of power plant that'll suck power, and then her saying like, "Oh, like let me tell him about it," even though that's a terrible idea. So yeah, <laughs> she gets thrown out the window. And when she lands in the original Daniel Waters script, there is a moment where she sees the Batmobile driving by and Batman does not stay, save her, which informs a lot about her own psychology and the idea of, you know, that she's got that line later on in the movie where she says to the woman she saves, you're just like you're waiting around for Batman to save you. And that's probably was a callback to this deleted scene where she would have seen the Batmobile mm -hmm. and asked, you know, she's she wants the Batman to stop, but he doesn't because he doesn't see that she's there. You know, she's just as invisible as she was before as uh, Selena, the secretary. So uh, really interesting, like what if scenarios on this? I don't think we necessarily needed it in the final film, but it is kind of a cool touch when you reread it into the script. Um, Selena has other methods of getting slowly getting revenge on Max Shrek that are that's very weird. So she tries to put she puts a cockroach in his coffee at one point. <laughs> And then she cuts open her finger and tries to drip her own blood into the coffee. Uh, we did not need that. Wait, with so. The, so her blood and a cockroach cocktail. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. I kind of remember that. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. So glad that was cut. But one of the weirdest moments ever to me is a scene between Selena and Chip. So in the original <laughs> Daniel Waters script, Chip Shrek is not Chip Shrek in the original. Looks like Donald Trump Daniel Waters. He does. Uh, so Chip <laughs> is originally just an executive named Chip, not Chip Shrek in Daniel Waters, uh, though Daniel Waters script. So he's just a random exec and he arrives at her apartment to investigate her. He kind of knows what Max is doing with Penguin. So he's in on it. 
and stuff. And Selena, I don't know what the fuck Daniel Waters was thinking. Selena has a random pat, a pit of quicksand in her apartment. <laughs> don't ask me how this works. <laughs> and Chip oh, slips into it, and she lets him drown to death in the quicksand in her apartment. And that Dude, eliminates Chip for the rest what? of the movie. <laughs> This draft didn't last a day, I hope. Like, this is <laughs> that's ridiculous. Quicksand enter a fucking apartment, yeah. Uh, so that's, we talked yeah. about this on the Patreon last this past time. Like, I was about like, quicksand. yeah, there's, which I there's, was funny. <laughs> there's tropes that are like in fashion for a while, and like mm-hmm. quicksand was in fashion for a long time, kind of not in fashion anymore, though, probably for a good reason because it's mostly ridiculous. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And not, I don't know, especially in her apartment. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm i glad. Yeah, it it's like happening. it could have been the kitty litter box, I guess. <laughs> he just slipped and kitty fell litter. into the kitty litter box. She shoved his face into it. Yeah, that <laughs> okay. Cool. Like, we're in a different movie at that point, though. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? It's got the same music playing, the same Danny Elfman score dun, when she's like smashing dun, all the dun, shit dun, in her apartment. But she's they would have shoved to... his face into the kitty litter. So he's like, but she's like shoving his face into shit. Also, like and unless they show like flailing around, freshly porn. This is going porn. off the rails. <laughs> the scene, this movie, at this point, um, I, I think Wesley Strick made the right call in making Chip like the oh, son yeah. of Max and then having Max like this, like Chip being the one thing that Max actually cares about, you know, the whole, if you have one iota of human feeling, you know, spare his life. And thing was like, well, I don't. So no. Uh, and so I think <laughs> that moment, you know, we wouldn't have had that if they eliminated mm-hmm. Chip like this, if they killed Chip off earlier on. So I'm glad they did what they did. They saved Chip and lost the uh, kitty litter box. The sandbox, yeah, the sand. Yeah, that was my rewrite. (laughs) (laughs) She's just taking a shit in that box, and then Chip shows up. Oh, I'm sorry. She's taking this cat persona a little too literally. Seems too much. (laughs) (laughs) She has to to kill him. (laughs) You must be the cat woman if you're doing that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Figured it out. I oh, should have gotten man. her the whisker box, the crazy cat <laughs> yeah. box for the crazy cat lady. And I was wondering when we were going to throw that in here. <laughs> Get the whisker, whisker box. Whiskerpod.com slash shop. For the you love gotta of God. edit that in, Andrew, at the beginning when Ben introduces the episode and Ben, the picture of like the thumbnail brought to you by Whisker Box. Don't, oh, don't yeah. tempt me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> don't tempt me. Get your whisker boxes. <laughs> So uh, later we have the scene where Bruce and Selena meet on the street. And at one point they got attacked by muggers. But since Bruce is Batman and Selena is Catwoman, they easily defeat them and fight them off. And Selena explains to Bruce that when she was young and growing up, she won karate lessons and learned kind of how to fight. But she actually failed the class because the instructor said that her mind wasn't clear. And so now that she (laughs) is Catwoman and her mind is clear, she's able to fight. You're not pure of heart. Kind of silly, but I mean, again, it was trying to explain how she's able to fight on it, which I kind of appreciate, but ultimately they cut it. Uh, Lastly, the original script killed Catwoman. So let's remember, uh, it was a last minute decision actually to include this final shot where Catwoman looks up at the bat signal at the very end. A studio really wanted to make sure that it was clear that Catwoman is alive and that they could spin off this character into other movies. However, Michelle Pfeiffer was not available for this shot. So that is not Michelle Pfeiffer we're looking at here. 
in this do final shot. Do we have shot. any idea who this is? We don't know who the name of the stand-in is, but we do know that there almost was neither a stand-in nor Michelle Pfeiffer. There was a mannequin. Really a puppet. Yeah. It was an oh, animatronic shit. Catwoman that they built for it. <clears throat> animatronic? <laughs> and then you're yeah. just like, why don't we just have somebody else wear the costume for one what? shot and look up? Maybe that would actually it work looks, better. It looks really weird. It's on um, yeah. it's on the special features for the mm-hmm. Blu-ray, isn't it, for Batman Returns? I've seen that little yeah. clip. It's it looks so like robotic. Oh, that's ridiculous, that's dude. Yeah, they did all that just to be like, yeah, let's just have a human person. I'm just like, that wasn't your first option. You thought, why don't we do yeah. this? So this shot apparently cost a quarter of a million dollars in what? order to put this into the movie. Hollywood, everybody. So Jesus, man. Co-producer Larry Franco <laughs> said, quote, I remember saying, I don't think it can be done in the meeting. We'll try. And then there was a flurry of phone calls after that. Literally, it was the next day or even that afternoon that we got the Catwoman suit out of storage and put it on somebody and actually shot. It was really that quick. It was like a nightmare. So it was probably so, like a PA or something at the time. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Well, then again, you it's not or her stunt I, double. It, I wonder how that would be classified. Yeah. Stunt double or. Yeah. Um, it could have been a what's known as a featured extra, mm-hmm. uh, since they don't show her face and that she doesn't have lines. Yeah. So I wonder how that was classified. Once you have a line, you are no longer an extra. Yeah. Even if it's just one line. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. So, uh, again, I don't know why they built the whole animatronic and then and then figured out we could just put somebody in the suit. So. <laughs> That was a lot yeah, of money down the drain. From the back. Oh it my God. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I had money to burn on this one. But I got to say, if they did not have Catwoman in the shot with a bat signal, it would not be nearly as iconic of an image in the finale. This, this right. is such a strong image. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's also why they thought, like, hey, we should throw this in and stuff. I think I also saw a Twitter user remark about how, uh, how soon this must have been because this looks like the date says May 31st, 1992, and the movie was coming out in June. So they really had to oh, put the shit, shit together this is... immediately. Wow. Last second for sure. Yeah. 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 You know, that so... shawarma scene and fucking speaking of last minute shit, the one in Avengers yeah. mm-hmm. that was shot after the fucking Hollywood premiere. Yeah. Nobody saw it. Nobody yeah. saw it in the premiere. They added yeah. it later. Wow. And Chris Evans, his Captain America is he, he has this pose because he's covering up the fact he's got a beard. Oh, yeah, role. that's right. That's right. Oh. So, yeah, that's why it's always like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But they did a way better job <laughs> in terms of hiding that. <laughs> so <clears throat> um, Catwoman after this, you know, they set all this up just to give her a spinoff. Catwoman would, would, of course, disappear from Batman films for a bit, but not before being in a shit ton of other unmade scripts and projects. And we'll cover those after taking a quick cat break. It's time to tap in with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. The stunning HyperX Quadcast S features dynamic, customizable RGB lighting, a convenient tap-to-mute sensor, and four selectable polar patterns, so it can broadcast crystal clear audio, whether you're gaming, streaming, podcasting, or impressing your remote colleagues and classmates. So what are you waiting for? Join the Quad Squad and tap in today with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. in what can i get you sure i've heard of hair of the Dogcast. they're that podcast about video games and beer from the latest gaming headlines to diving deep into the games of yesterday to sampling and reviewing craft beer from all over the world hair of the Dogcast is here for the gamer and beer lover in all of us available weekly on the greenlit podcast network 
take a time machine back to before the world went to hell around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games, that's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2000, because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2000. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Because I'm Batman. And we're back from our cat nap. And we left off with <laughs> Catwoman. Yes. We're awake now, and now we are going to continue. So we left off with Catwoman being brought back to life at the last minute at the end of Batman Returns. And it was for that purpose uh, that, uh, you know, they gave her their, her own spinoff that never got made. But we did cover it some time ago in the Catwoman movie that never was. So uh-huh. Tim Burton did not end up directing Batman Forever, as we know. He passed the torch to Joel Schumacher, but he did work on for a little bit this Catwoman script uh, written by Daniel Waters, who also wrote the script with Chip dying in the quicksand, which explains a lot. So uh, we covered this at the end of 2020. Oh, yeah. Um, so check out that episode for more. But it was basically uh, Selena going to the city of Oasisburg with her mother and reclaiming the Catwoman mantle as a symbol for abused women while fighting the corrupt superheroes that supposedly protect the town. So that was kind of the concept i do have some additional info that did not make it into that episode however uh this tweet from journalist walter chow said that daniel waters described the catwoman spinoff as a quote western and that actress Anne margaret was in it and i'd speculate Anne margaret given her age at the time would have been selena's mom in the oh. uh, in the script so um she might have been attached or something i'm not really sure there wasn't much else in terms of details on it but i'm just like if you're going to bring Anne margaret into this that's the only role I could see. That's the only like middle-aged uh, female role in the whole script. So that would have been interesting on this. And then, yeah, obviously they planned to have Michelle Pfeiffer return to the role. And uh, it just didn't end up happening. Daniel Waters turned in the script literally right when Batman Forever was released. And they're just like, well, we're succeeding with the Joel Schumacher take on Batman. We don't really need the, the uh, Tim Burton Catwoman universe anymore so it was kind of abandoned yeah it was a great script as i remember it uh we had a long (laughs) conversation about the women in the bathroom (laughs) the the catwoman costumes or yeah like first off like how do they all get their costumes on like they all just like go into the stalls (laughs) and slid them on and then yeah like how big is the bathroom because it's just like everybody's (laughs) fighting in there all of a sudden Mm -hmm. catwoman yes yes that's what the, it should have been called, Catwoman Fight Club. So, <laughs> That's the one she, where she goes out west or some shit? She yeah. leaves Gotham? Well, she leaves Gotham, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I think was... was, I think it was studio-mandated because it was just like, we got to explain why Batman doesn't show up in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it's also in Gotham, then you're just expecting Batman to show up. So I think it makes sense that they did that. But yeah, obviously it needs some more work to be done, but it didn't end up happening. So 
Uh, check out that episode for more details. But we also know that Joel Schumacher considered bringing Michelle Pfeiffer back around 1997 when Mark Protosevich wrote Batman Unchained, as we covered in The Myth of Batman Triumphant video essay, which uh, was the rumored title, but it was really called Batman Unchained. So in the script for Batman Unchained, which would have brought back George Clooney for a redemption round in a darker take, a darker sequel to Batman and Robin, uh, George Clooney's Batman would have faced off against Nicolas Cage's Scarecrow, who would have put him under fear gas and fear toxin, thrown him in Arkham Asylum, where he would have hallucinated all the previous Batman villains, including Danny DeVito's Penguin and Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Hmm. So that's another opportunity where she could have come back to the role. But did I, that did not happen either. Did I ever tell you guys I did do like this little, like, I was going to make a comic book of this. I did like sure, a couple really? pages of it. Yeah, where mm-hmm. like, it was George Clooney's Batman, like, gets goes into this warehouse and gets gassed, and he's like, slowly encounters, like, all the different villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only got, like, a couple pages in, but I came up with a cover of basically, like, a point of view looking up from a grave, and around Ooh. the grave, I had, like, all the original villains, like, surrounding him. They were very ghoulish looking, the ones that had died. I think mm-hmm. I had, like, Two-Face had, like, holes in him or something like that, and you know, uh, like from falling on the spikes and I, mm-hmm. you know, Joker, I had like with a crack in his head. I think I even <laughs> wanted like to do a cover of Joker, like coming up out of a, a grave too, or something like that. But I have to find those pictures at some point and show you guys. Was it also inspired by that cover with all the Batman villains around his grave? Yeah, kind of like that. But it was from a, the perspective of being in, in the, the grave, grave like yeah. looking up at them. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I have yeah. to find that sometime. This would have been an insane movie if they brought everybody yeah. back for the hallucinations. But I think the main flaw of it, and it's not really his fault, the main flaw of it is Clooney. Because I'm just like, yeah. Clooney's going to hallucinate all the villains he didn't face. So it feels a little weird. Like if Keaton comes back and hallucinates Nicholson, Pfeiffer, and DeVito, cool. If Kilmer comes back and hallucinates Carrie and Tommy Lee Jones, cool. Clooney hallucinates everybody else. I'm like, eh, you didn't technically face any of them. So it, it, it ruins yeah. the emotional impact in my opinion. Right. So, oh, well. But after this attempt in 1997, we come to 1999, where we cover something that we covered in the Patreon, but not in the main show yet. So did you know, Zach, there was another attempt to give Michelle Pfeiffer a Catwoman spinoff from the writer of Big Fish, John August. I had no idea. John August tried to do something similar to what Daniel Waters did. It was a similar premise of an amnesiac, Selena Kyle, going to another city, this time called Lake City. Uh, she's there for a fresh new start away from Gotham, but of course she ends up being rivals with another supervillain there. So similar idea on this. Uh, unlike Catwoman in the uh, the movie or in the other script, Selina does steal and becomes kind of the super thief over in Lake City. So uh, August says, quote, the burglaries she's committing make it clear there's a super thief in Lake City. So Lake City goes out to find its own protector. She's caused the city itself to want to bring in their own hero to fight. And the one they end up hiring is a villain from Gotham. So it kind of twists hmm. a lot of the uh, the line, blurs the lines of right and wrong here. So he says the rivals over the course of the film, it was a great opportunity to be looking at what it means to be a hero or villain when you're arbitrarily on opposite sides. I think it would have been an original villain, by the way. I don't think it was like a rogues gallery villain, unfortunately. Oh, shameful. Wizard thing. It should have been shameful. Catman. Like, come on. It, that would have been awesome. Yeah, Catman. <laughs> Catwoman versus Catman. I'm just like, how... Like, how much more obvious can you get on this? Yeah. <laughs> already a Batman villain, already a Gotham villain. Unlikely the Batman movies are ever going to use him. 
no. have Catwoman fight Catman. We've got this whole like women fighting, you know, men thing anyway in, in the theme. So uh, that makes sense. Uh, I think unlike he could the... pop up in yeah. a new Suicide Squad if James Gunn continues true. to do them. Or that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. So, I, yeah, I could actually see him in season two of Peacemaker show up at some point, or at least get mentioned. <laughs> yeah. If they mention Batmite, they could mention, they can have Catman in there. Mm-hmm. That's true. Fucking so... Batmite gets a whole, like, <laughs> couple, like a paragraph of lines in uh, yes. Peacemaker. Yeah. And apparently Peacemaker caught, fought Kite Man. I hear so like oh it's all... yeah he's yeah he's brought that up yeah it's pretty yeah. funny yeah <laughs> so uh, unlike the Daniel Waters script however John August did include Bruce Wayne in the script uh, now this would have been tricky because it's like who would have been Bruce Wayne was he thinking Michael Keaton because that's Michelle Pfeiffer's Batman but this is 1999 and George Clooney was the last Batman so who knows who it could have been. But either way, Bruce would have had a cameo in the beginning after Selena gets into an accident and she's kind of forgotten who she is. And so August says, quote, he wants and hopes to believe that she's free of having to be Catwoman, that she's forgotten who she is and can therefore live a good, normal life in the way that he wants her to be happy. There's an implication here to me that maybe Bruce shows up and almost feels jealous of Selena getting to have that freedom from her costume persona and stuff, a freedom that he doesn't get to have. So that's an interesting dimension. That he adds, but again, it's kind of difficult to to picture. I'm like, would it have been Keaton? Would it have been mm-hmm. Clooney? Most likely Keaton, or I, well, honestly, probably most likely Clooney because he was the Batman of the time. But Keaton obviously makes more sense uh, for this because he was Michelle Pfeiffer's Batman. So uh, anyway, this fell through when the exec John August was pitching to said that Catwoman should be younger, and he pitched and whoever that exec was pitched the idea of Sarah Michelle Geller instead as Catwoman instead of Michelle Pfeiffer and August was like, this defeats my entire script, which ties into Batman returns and is about, you know, a like 40 year old woman, (laughs) not about like a 20 something year old woman. And um, apparently the exec also wanted a scene of Catwoman washing someone else's hair. I don't know why. (laughs) It's fucking just such weird fucking uh, demands. Like this is why some movies just have weird ass scenes because they fucking like, yeah, were you know, they did what the producer said. That's just so strange to me. Mm-hmm. Like the, when the bachelors are on, they, I mean, they said that Schumacher said he, he wanted Batman coming out of a, out of fire, out of a flame mm-hmm. and like, get me that visual somehow. And yeah. like, that's a reasonable request. Yeah. Right. That's a mm-hmm. cool image. And like, it's easy to, you know, write that for an action scene, but this is, this is like, it's weird. Right. Yes. I'm not, yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> somebody's got not a really in character at all. Yes. But yeah, they watching really somebody's this. hair. <laughs> yeah. So John August was like, um, no. And so that was the end of that Catwoman movie. So, uh, and probably for, you know, for good, uh, for good because of the fact that they would have forced that on to the project. So we might've seen Michelle Pfeiffer or Sir Michelle Geller as Catwoman washing someone's hair. So I don't know if that's necessarily worse than what we got in 2004 with Holly Berry, but that's what we could have gotten. Uh, around 1998 to 2002, we had another thing that was a major episode of ours, which is the Batman musical. So the late <laughs> Jim Steinman, who recently passed away, worked on the Batman musical with David Ives, who's on the right here, and they would have had Tim Burton directing. And as we covered mm-hmm. in that episode, the musical would have drawn off of Batman 89, but it had its own version of Catwoman that was very different from the Michelle Pfeiffer take. In this version, Jim Steinman came up with the idea that Selena Kyle, as a kid, was a street urchin who was the witness 
to the murders of Thomas and Martha Wayne, which, of course, inspires the Gotham pilot. Uh, I don't know if they necessarily found out about Jim Steinman's idea, but Steinman does beat <laughs> the Gotham producers to that idea. Uh, in this take, uh, obviously, Bruce is affected by it, but Selena is affected by it because she is, quote, mostly mentally scarred by realizing how easily things that are precious can be taken from you such as the pearl necklace that's ripped from Martha Wayne's throat. So when she grows up, she craves the things that uh, she wants to hold on to, all the things that are precious. So jewels, uh, like it, it explains the psychology to the character on why she turns to become a thief, which I think is like really fascinating. You know, a lot of times it's, it, we've gone over the origins in the Patreon episode, Andrew and I, and a lot of times it's like Catwoman is a persona she takes on because it's it's a freedom for her, but it doesn't necessarily explain uh much of a psychological aspect to the stealing outside of just her trying to provide for herself trying to survive out there so this almost kind of creates a more psychological need to steal to to possess things and hold on to them for as long as she lives so i thought that was really fascinating from jim mm -hmm. steinman's standpoint especially considering he's not like a known superhero comic book writer guy he's a musical theater guy so for him to come up with something like that was interesting to me and for it to actually kind of come to life in the Gotham TV show sort of um, was pretty cool. Uh, however, in the Gotham show, Selena is already stealing before she sees the Wayne murders. So it doesn't necessarily have the same mm -hmm. type of origin spark that it has in the, uh, in the musical, the unmade musical. So there were a few songs that were written. One was called not allowed to love, which was the main love theme with Batman and Catwoman. But Catwoman's main song was called I need all the love I can get. Uh, and the singer for the demos was named uh, Kareen Hanna or Karen Hanna. And um, it's described that she sings her song in a jewelry store while she's basically stealing stuff and smashing glass cases and dancing, quote unquote, as erotically as Salome with the severed head of John the Baptist. That's a hell of an image. <laughs> so yeah, Dan, yeah. give me an image of Salome with John the Baptist. Oh, uh, man. And uh, the chorus was actually uh, appropriated from a song that Jim Steinman wrote for the band Sisters Mercy for the song More from 1990 uh, with the lyrics of about how I need all the love I can get. So check that out. If you're familiar with Sisters of Mercy, you might already know that song, but it would have been sort of remade to be Catwoman's song in a way. So that would have been interesting. And then one of the final songs that Steinman wrote was called We're Still the Children, where uh, Batman and Catwoman would have fought the Joker on an elevated train track. I don't know how you pulled this off on stage, but I'm sure yeah. they found a way. Just going around yeah. in a circle. <laughs> yeah. Or they have the background moving behind them. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. probably. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, they. it sounds like it's different, of course, from the cathedral confrontation in 89, even though it's drawing off of the 89 movie. And in, in this version, it's still Jack Napier who kills Thomas and Martha mm -hmm. Wayne, which then technically makes Joker responsible for the birth of Catwoman as well um he's also apparently responsible for the death of catwoman in this musical because catwoman would have died at the end that's oh, wow uh Ooh. she would have been mortally wounded by uh, by the joker uh and in the process saved batman's life heroically uh and then in the song we're still the children batman would be singing with the dying catwoman in his arms singing about how they're still the children the wounded children that they were and in the background we would have seen uh, the kids from the flashback, you know, Bruce as the orphan and, and Selena as the, as the street urchin. Um, and it sounds like a hell of a downer for the yeah. end of this, <laughs> this musical. Yeah. Um, but it's, it would have led to the final confrontation between Batman and Joker, 
uh, in a quote, final act of gruesome revenge that still awaits. So I'm not really sure what they had in mind for the ending with Batman and, and Joker, but maybe he does follow him into a cathedral and uh, yeah. punches a guy with glasses off the, off the roof. Who knows? So really interesting take on the mythos here with, hmm. uh, with the musical uh, around the same time as all this, it's interesting. Cause like Catwoman suddenly has all these unmade projects in the nineties that like, we just don't know about until like years later. So one of these is also Darren Aronofsky and Frank Miller's Batman year one that reimagines the story where Bruce Wayne, after his parents are killed, he's found on the streets and raised on the streets. He's not raised in luxury. He's not raised as a, as a billionaire. And the theater where he saw the Marco Zorro of his parents gets turned into a brothel where a dominatrix works named Selena Kyle. Selena is described as a, quote, long, lean black woman. So this is uh, one of the first times in a while that Selena is described as being African-American, which foreshadows Zoe Kravitz. Obviously, we had Halle Berry and Eartha Kitt, but uh, this year one Selena is very obvious influence on what we're going to get in the Batman in terms mm -hmm. of the visual. Right. Zoe cut her hair very short, just like the one in year one and, and sort mm -hmm. of emulating the pixie cut that Selena sometimes has in the comics. Um, this is around the late nineties, early two thousand. So of considering the fact she was in Sin City, whenever I read the script, I always picture Rosario Dawson. Oh yeah. City, since she also played right. somebody who's protecting her girls in uh, her side of the CD city. So, uh, but anyway, this is 10 a very plus broad right there. <laughs> yeah. It's a good uh, poster, but I'm not, it's another bold statement, but I'm not super into the Sin City Sin movies. City. They, I've not even seen the second one. I haven't. I haven't even well, seen the yeah, one. I haven't uh, seen the second one. I'm a fan one. of the first one, but yeah, I haven't seen the second one either. I heard it yeah. wasn't as good. So, yeah. Yeah. It's if Rosario's in it. I'll see it. I think it's yeah. interesting just from like an experiment of like the black and white and stuff, but it's not something that I've gone like felt the need to go back and rewatch it's great visuals but like i don't know i don't know who i'm following or i don't know it's just like it's missing something for me it's a city of sin andrew yeah <laughs> everybody's yeah. everybody's bad anytime mm. it's like just like overly stylish it's like it's just a style over substance, over substance. Mm -hmm. kind yeah. of thing for me i hear you yeah. yeah um this is a very year one inspired selena that we're getting in the batman but we also could have gotten it almost a couple decades earlier with Aronofsky's take. So Selena goes by the name Mistress Selena because she's a dominatrix. She's 21 <laughs> in the script. A cop says that she's 5'9", 120 pounds. I'm just like, damn, that's light for 5'9". But uh, in yeah, contrast, in the comics, she's 5'7", and 138 pounds, which I think is more realistic. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we're talking a, a woman with muscle too, right? Yeah. yeah. So like there's that to consider. Yeah. Especially in the legs, when she's jumping around and all that, like yeah, she's got to have a lot of uh, good endurance and tone. You need the Chun Li legs. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so she knows Bruce Wayne simply as the like the mechanic boy, the garage boy, as she calls him uh, on that, and doesn't realize who he really is until later. But uh, she ends up escaping to make a better life for herself and take revenge on the corrupt cops who took advantage of the girls in the East End. So she spies on police commissioner Loeb, who's the main villain in this. There is no rogues gallery villain in the Batman year one script. Um, but at, at one point she gets caught trying to spy on the corrupt police commissioner and uses her nails to protect herself. So that's sort of the realistic clause is that her, it's her actual fingernails, uh, which also calls back to Sam Ham's 19, you know, the uh, Batman two script that he made. 
she also ends up taking off her belt and uses that as a whip. So like early Catwoman stuff here in the development. Hmm. Uh, she gets rescued by Batman and is able to tell he's the garage boy from the neighborhood. And at the very end, after all this time where he's been Batman, she dons, quote, a sexy black leather cat burglar suit, complete with ears, <laughs> claws, and a tail. A whip hangs on her hip. So she turns into the classic Catwoman mm-hmm. at the very end, which is cool. That's uh, cool. She escapes with a diamond necklace and takes off, and that's the end of the script. So that is the take on Catwoman in there. Next, we had a very, uh, a lot less adult version, more kid-friendly version in the uh, the Bruce Wayne pilot written for the WB before it became the CW. Uh, it's the banana by, one? This is the banana one. <laughs> <laughs> written by Tim McCanley, also infamous on our podcast by having Bruce Wayne leave a banana peel after knocking a criminal out so that Gordon thinks that like the guy slipped on a banana peel. <laughs> Fucking plot device. These two slipped on a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, man. Uh, I've had Dan pull up Bruce and Selena from Gotham because the Bruce Wayne pilot was a similar type of show. It's a prequel type thing. Introduces a lot of the characters before they become the iconic rogues gallery members we know and love. Bruce in this pilot, unlike Gotham, is not 12 years old and having just seen the, the death of his parents, he is an adult man turning 18 in the pilot and returns to Gotham after training. And he's friends with Harvey Dent, something that was not in Gotham, unfortunately. Uh, but he goes to Harvey Dent's costume party where he meets a, quote, exotic 20-year-old wearing a tiger outfit who is Selena Kyle. So uh, mm. they don't get much of an interaction, but she's kind of planted for, like, things to come. So hmm. that was kind of fun. And uh, around the same time, uh, like early 2000s, we got Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. And they did actually want to do more Batman Beyond movies and address sort of what happened to the old school rogues gallery villain. So the unmade sequel to Batman Beyond Return of the Joker would have been Return of the Catwoman. So Bruce Tim said, quote, Catwoman was going to be our leading villain in the second movie. She was the one who cloned Bruce Wayne to create Terry McGinnis. But that was going to be our big surprise in our next movie. So that's kind of a bombshell. <laughs> that mm. Catwoman was originally going to be behind the technically making her kind of Terry's mom in a way. Right. Uh, so nah. this yeah, but this plot nah. idea ended up yeah, it, it ended up no in liking. Justice League Unlimited in the episode <laughs> epilogue, but with Amanda Waller in place of Selena Kyle, which Much really makes better. a shit ton of more sense, you know. <laughs> Like, I don't know why Selena would want to do this, but Amanda Waller just like, oh yeah, you would do something fucked up with science in order to you know yes. protect the world. Yeah. So that makes a lot more sense. Um, over the years, WB keeps trying to make this Catwoman spinoff. They end up abandoning Michelle Pfeiffer, Selena Kyle, and they're just like, let's, you know, what's a good idea? Just have someone else be Catwoman, not Selena Kyle. So they create an original character named Patience Phillips, who would be played by Holly Berry in the 2004 movie. But before Holly Berry. In 2001, they tried to cast Ashley Ashley Judd as Catwoman. Uh, Judd was very excited to play the role. She said, my inspiration as a superhero is that Catwoman is a very ambivalent character. There's a lot of fun to be had with this movie, as well as a great acting experience, which unfortunately she didn't get to have. But considering the final movie, she really dodged a bullet. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, kind of a good thing. Uh, yeah. So at one point, Judd dropped out. And in 2003, Hollywood Reporter said like, hey, a potential replacement for Catwoman is Dr. Chase Meridian herself, Nicole Kidman, <laughs> being offered the role. In this version, it said that Catwoman was, quote, a cat-loving gymnast who runs an animal grooming business. While she's a vulnerable <laughs> woman, her alter ego Catwoman is super confident and fights evil. 
Does she have uh, a shagging and wagon in it too? I, I don't know. <laughs> this is as much information as I could find. On from Dumb this and Dumber. <laughs> but yeah, obviously this didn't happen either with Nicole Kidman. Again, dodged a bullet. Uh, ultimately, Holly Berry ended up in the film and I believe got a Razzie Award for her performance in that. And so the next time we'd actually get to see the real Catwoman, not Patience Phillips, but Selena Kyle, was in The Dark Knight Rises. And apparently Jonathan Nolan... Uh, brother to Christopher Nolan and screenwriter of the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, Jonathan Nolan apparently was the was the main impetus behind including Catwoman. He apparently had to convince Chris, like, hey, we should include this character. She's an important part of the mythos. And so the search went out to find Catwoman, and there were a lot of actresses listed by uh, the trades, by Deadline and Hollywood Reporter. So we got, from left to right, uh, Kira Knightley, Blake Lively, who was previously in Green Lantern. Uh, Natalie Portman, who would end up in Thor, Jessica Biel, who was in Blade Trinity, uh, Gemma Arterton, uh, Charlotte Riley, who I believe is married to Tom Hardy, uh, and uh, Kate Mara, who would end up being in Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, that masterpiece. Oh, man. So, uh, <laughs> so, One of the few uh, I have not seen. Yes, same here. Yeah. As we know, Anne Hathaway won out, and we have some concept art of her Catwoman. Uh, very rough sketches here, as we can see. We have some weird, <laughs> almost like they're tire treads on her suit. I don't know. They what. love them tire treads in the Nolan verse. Maybe yeah. they were thinking motorcycle thing, or maybe she's also supposed to look like a shoe. I don't know. I'm but. thinking <laughs> tennis shoe. <laughs> Skechers. With, with, balance. with some cat ears. If Batman is Skechers, then we got to go Vans on this one. Yeah. She's Vans. She's a little bit more California style. <laughs> we, this looks like giant zippers, too, on this version here on the left. And then tire treads on the one on the right. So... Thankfully, they're just, they're just like, eh, let's just make her look like a regular outfit. <laughs> let's not do these designs on here. Uh, you know, Nolan had some quote about his Catwoman, too. He was something like, I couldn't have a, some woman just meowing on screen. I had to be, <laughs> but I could get behind a femme fatale. Like, I, I know he says femme fatale in the quote. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just Google it. Yeah, but also, like, she always was. Me, is it the uh, the goggles that go up to become ears? Because I always thought that was dumb. Yeah, it's just a little too plain or something like that. Like, yeah, I, it is plain. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't yeah. think that Anne Hathaway is a bad actress per se, but I do think that her performance leaves something to be desired. It's just like, it's just not quite memorable, really. And yeah. that could be due to the script as well. But I mean, I just feel like she could look more like a like Catwoman, like, uh, isn't it just as believable to have her look like the like Darwin Cook Catwoman, mm -hmm. like someone in like a leather outfit with like a like motorcycle jacket yeah. and goggles like that would have been perfect. And for her to have the short hair like she does in the comics, I think mm -hmm. it was like trying to come up with a modernized version of like the Julie Newmar look that was just kind of like plain to me. It was very bland. Yeah, and also not the direction you'd expect. And normal no. films uh for that i think it's it's like what sean reeves said in our bat suits episode where it's just like it's sometimes you can it, she's kind of overshadowed by the rest of the movie unfortunately yeah. i don't it's not anne hathaway's fault you could have had any of these other actresses we discussed in the role and still would have had the same problem yeah uh, to be completely transparent 
these images are, are last minute additions because I completely forgot to include <laughs> much of the Dark Knight Rises Catwoman. I'm just like, oh, yeah, she was in it. Yeah. <laughs> these are your animatronic Catwoman. Uh, yeah, this is my animatronic editions. Quarter of a million dollars to add this in because I didn't have Dan to put them in. Because uh, I added them, I literally added them in today uh, after I told During them. During the yeah, break. Yeah, we're finalized. Yeah, I'm like, these are finalized. I'm just like, oh, shit. I don't have anything about the Dark Knight Rises Catwoman outside of like all the other actresses. And Hathaway, what's her name? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I thought the goggles that go up were dumb because I'm just like, so Batman wearing a bat cowl is fine, but Catwoman right. and a cat cowl is too much. Nolan really okay. had to be convinced of comic booky thing because isn't it on record that he had to be convinced the scarecrow had to wear his mask? Yeah. Also, Goyer was kind of just like, you have to, like, you got to think of it as like a gas mask in there, which I think is in the comics anyway. Like a lot, right. these, yeah. a lot of these purposes are already in the source material. You're not adding anything to this. They don't highlight it really, but like if you pay attention to the shot, I think there is like a gas mask apparatus. You can yeah. see it, Leia. He like yeah. clicks it on when he takes it out of the briefcase. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, other things that uh, are somewhat interesting about this Anne Hathaway Catwoman is that she traded the claws for heels with blades in them. She does not have the claws in the gloves. Uh, the substitute was these uh, the high heels with a blade in it, which you see when she confronts Daggett in that one scene. Um, she also does not have a whip, uh, and Hathaway's Catwoman did not have the whip at all. So when Zoe Kravitz has it in the Batman, this will be the first time she has it on film since Michelle Pfeiffer, I believe, Good. unless unless Holly Berry had it, but we don't count her because she's not seen it. <laughs> I never so, saw that movie. I think she might have had it, but I could she be might wrong. have, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> the first Selena Kyle in live action film in a while to have a whip would be Zoe Kravitz. But I'm uh, staying away from the trailers. Uh, Zoe Kravitz does have the whip. Uh, it's in the poster. Oh, I it saw, is. So oh, I'm staying away know. from everything. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> whether or not that's just for promotional purposes is, is another nah, story. No, if it's in the fucking poster, <laughs> she has it in the fucking movie. So that's cool. Uh, Hathaway's Catwoman traded her whip for a handgun. Uh, so she's armed with a gun until Batman says no guns, no killing in the movie until she uses a gun to kill Bane. But anyway. Yeah. That's uh, all right, because it's attached to the motorcycle. The, the <laughs> way Hathaway uh, manipulates men, especially in that bar scene and all that, is that, that cool. that's like part of her MO a lot of the time in the comics? Mm, a little bit. I mean, I, I think it's, they were kind of drawing off of the original appearance where, you know, as we talked about in the in the Patreon, for the first eleven years, you never knew her name was Selena Kyle. She was always in a different disguise, different persona oh, yeah. each time. So like they were pretty much staying true to that in the early scenes where you know she pretend, pretends to be the maid, she pretends to be mm-hmm. a damsel in distress. So I, I'd say that like that's probably the best stuff for Aaron Hathaway's yeah. Catwoman are those scenes and because they're memorable. They're memorable stamps yeah. on the character at that part. And I wish that there were more of those instances for her character throughout because she's a solid actress she obviously did her homework and research for it she studied Heidi Lamar who was the actress who inspired Catwoman uh in her original oh, yeah, creation that's cool. in 1940 so there you know she put a lot into the role it's just it, it's it just feels like oh like here's Catwoman boom and she's like oh that's awesome and yeah. then she just gradually fades into the background mm-hmm. because we've all oh, she's we've blown got, Bane to smithereens we've got, we've got Bane the pit <laughs> Talia Batman coming out of retirement getting his back broke like we got all sorts of shit in this movie so it moves all over the place overshadowed vastly oh, overshadowed man so yeah anyway that was Catwoman in the Nolan verse thankfully I remembered to add concept art from <laughs> from Catwoman in this movie <laughs> 
Uh, we did not get Catwoman in the Snyderverse. However, many people have reported that Zack Snyder's choice for Selena was Carla Gugino. Yes. But as we talked about before, in reality, when Zach brought it up, it was because a podcast called The Nerd Queens brought up the idea, and he was actually riffing off of their idea when he was just like, oh, that seems like a good idea. And so he brought up the possibility he, oh, right. when he was riffing that Batman and Catwoman might have had a relationship like 10 years ago before the events of Batman versus Superman, and then they had some sort of falling out or Batman had to arrest her, and then you know maybe in Justice League 2 or in Ben Affleck's Batman movie, they end up reuniting when she's running quote international antiquities or something. So like that was him riffing. And then all these blogs came out and they're just like, Oh my God, Carla Gugino was almost Selena Kyle in Batman versus <laughs> Superman. And there was going to be a flashback of them in 10 years ago. And I'm just like, that's not in the podcast. He says that like, this would have been cool. Maybe we could have done this, that type of thing. So Snyder ends up uh, returning to this later on when he gets asked about it. And he was like, um, I might have been misquoted on that. He's like, maybe I just misspoke or I was misinterpreted. That doesn't fit correctly. I apologize. I don't think Bruce and Selena were married because a bunch of people were saying that he claimed that Batman and Catwoman were married when I'm just like, I saw the original clip. He never said that. So a lot of weird shit going on. So people just want to attack Juno. Left yeah. and right, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, this is less of an attack and more of like, I don't know, just people went overboard with like that idea and didn't actually telephone look at the context. Game. Yeah, it was telephone, basically. So like, just to clarify, Carlin Gugino is a fan cast by fans that Snyder supported for the Snyderverse. It was not actually his original plan. She was not in the original uh, stuff as far as we know. <laughs> so would have been cool. It's a solid yeah. choice for Ben Affleck's Batman, I think, but not actually what people are saying. So just to bring that up. We finally caught up, though, to the current Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz, who lost out on a role in The Dark Knight Rises. So mm. Zoe said she tried to go up for a role. And if I were to guess, she probably would have been Jen, who is Selena Kyle's friend, played by Juno Temple. Oh, yeah. Um, who seems like a stand in for the character Holly. of Holly Robinson. Yeah. yeah, who is the uh, who is her friend in the East End in year one. Uh, it seems like she would have been too young for Bale anyway in Catwoman. And Zoe herself said it was a small role. So it definitely wasn't Catwoman. However, she said, uh, quote, in the last Batman movie, they told me I couldn't get an audition for a small role they were casting because they weren't, quote, unquote, going urban. So, dude, like, I, I knew you were going to bring this up. Yeah. You're, these people are in Hollywood. They mm -hmm. know they know the score. They should know. Like, why are you using this terminology? <laughs> it's, I it's just, just think it's, it blows my fucking mind. Urban. I just think it's cool that she gets to come back in the role later. No, like, yeah, it's it's you, really cool. You lost out this small role. Now you actually get to be Catwoman. Now, now you're <laughs> fucking Catwoman. It's fucking yeah. great. Uh, but it's but just probably it's just you like, shouldn't have to have gone through that shit on the way over. How the fuck do these people? Like, if I know the if I know this shit, <laughs> me who's you know not in these positions, why don't these guys know? It's like it's like it's their job to know. Yeah. It's just th it, this kind of stuff blows my mind. Yeah. Well, clearly Matt Reeves's people were the opposite of Nolan's yeah. people on this in casting her as Catwoman. So they're just like, yeah, give you the role. It's going to be year one inspired. So uh, we Zoe want Kravitz. an urban Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Can you bring in the hip hop community? <laughs> <laughs> exactly what we need. Oh. So 
Zoe Kravitz would make her cinematic debut as Catwoman in 2017 in the Lego Batman movie. Yes, Zoe Kravitz oh, was the voice hey, of Catwoman. Right, yeah. Lego Catwoman. Her main line being, meow meow, as she hacked the computer. <laughs> so because of that, Matt Reeves perfect. saw this. Clearly, Matt Reeves saw this, and he's like, she's perfect. Yeah, she's perfect. She, no, no audition One of needed. the role. This is one of the rare times where someone from not only a cartoon, but a spoof cartoon ends up getting the role in the series version uh, on it. So that's so cool. Uh, you know, she ends up being Catwoman for the Batman, but she had to fight for the role. She had other um, she had some competition. So uh, among the names listed were Ana de Armas, uh, Ella Belinsky, Isaac Gonzalez, Zazy Beats from Joker, which would yeah. have been interesting uh, or Zazi Beats uh, and Alicia Vikander. But ultimately mm. it went to Zoe. So here she is in her cow looks like a ski mask with like the front cut out. But I don't know if, you know, they do say that this is going to be kind of the evolution of Catwoman and Selena. So maybe she's, she's going to replace that with a cowl by the end. Who knows? I don't yeah, have inside information. It's speculate. It's just speculation right now. Yeah. At, this, at the time of this recording, the movie's not out yet. And mm -hmm. uh, like, we'll probably only have again, speculation, but we'll probably mm -hmm. have like one bat suit for the whole movie. But I'm we're Ben and I've been speculating like probably a couple evolutions of Catwoman, mm -hmm. yeah. Happening, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'll repeat what I said in the Patreon episodes. I think I, I don't think Zoe is going to necessarily beat out performance wise Julie Newmar, Michelle Pfeiffer, the iconic Catwoman, but I do think the script has a solid, solid chance at being the best at portraying the Catwoman Batman relationship because of the fact that this is going to be something that develops over the course of a film, potentially over the course of a trilogy rather than like stuffed into one movie, like it's mm -hmm. been in the past. So I think there's a lot of potential there for the relationship in terms of Catwoman herself. We'll see on that, but in terms of the Batman Catwoman dynamic and how close that could be to the comics, I'm, I think there's a lot of potential to, to be the best in this, but who knows? I might regret those words later on. Mm. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> So, and uh, that is it. What did you guys think? Any uh, any Catwoman that uh, you wish that we got to see, as opposed to the ones that you're glad that we didn't get to see? Rosario. Well, that was just my fan cast. For <laughs> oh, well, I want to see her as Catwoman too. <laughs> okay. She right. would be cool. Uh, mm -hmm. I have the most basic answer ever, but I just want to see more Pfeiffer. I wish she had more well, of a shot. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, well. Who knows? Because Keaton's back. Yeah, maybe so... we'll get some No Way Home stuff going on yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah, that would be that'd be cool. What about maybe, you, Ben? Maybe we'll get a reunion. Um, this is funny because like the the best idea out of all these actually comes like my favorite comes from the Bob Kane thing, which is the whole cat and mouse dynamic of like them trying to figure out each other's identities. I'm just like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. I think like that's a kind that of little pebble cool of of. It, diamond of it's a diamond in and shit yes <laughs> yes yeah but it is a diamond and so like i do like that you know i like that better than catwoman killing robin's parents i like it better than serial killer catwoman in sam ham's draft i like it better than the spin-offs of catwoman michelle pfeiffer's catwoman where it's just like it would have been cool to see her i don't know necessarily if the right way was to put her outside of gotham in her own mm -hmm. spin-off with original characters and try to take things from there um and you know i've always already made it on record that Daniel Waters to me, I'm just like, he's kind of a little bit too full of his own, uh, you know, satire on stuff in, uh, in his scripts. So, eh, you know, was kind of hazy on those. So yeah, my votes for the, the Bob Kane one, funny enough. 
Wow. Okay. 10 plus. Mm. Yeah. 10 plus script. Yes. And that is superhero stuff you should know. All right. Big thanks to our research assistant, Dan, for coming up with the visuals on this. Uh, and also for these other visuals. So I did say that I was not done with the Batman the Animated Series concept art. So here's a bunch of shit that I put together. Well, transferred over from the other stuff that Dan gave us. So this looks like sort of a concept uh, style guide Bible type yeah. of thing that uh, goes into the bios of every character. Pretty much standard stuff that we saw in the uh, in the series. Uh, most notably, under the good guys, we have Harvey Dent. But then under the bad guys, we also have Two-Face. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool <laughs> that we had both of those in there. Yep. He's straddling and, it. Yep. Exactly. We've got Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow together over here, which is nicely for Shadow when Batman combo. begins. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, I guess it wasn't um, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Bat, and Killer Croc over here. Uh, and more of the good guys, of course. Uh, but yeah, these are pretty much the way that we saw them. I don't remember who the fuck these two guys are next to Harley Quinn. Let us know in the comments. Do you know that? Some dicks. Oh, that's uh, T-Bone and Charlie. All right, so T Bone and Charlie are here with Harley. <laughs> you know, Charlie didn't have any shoes. He's <laughs> yeah. he got socks. He barely has a shirt. Sucks to be a goon in Gotham. Yep. So, more of Batman here. Batman on a rooftop, signed by Bruce Tim. Uh, the Justice League show's version of, of Batman. Uh, Harley Quinn. Some of these are from Bruce Tim's personal collection. Mm -hmm. Here we go again. Yes. Nips. Harley Quinn. <laughs> That's and... not, he didn't show that on this. <laughs> yes, he, he probably did. has that in one of his uh, collections. Go back, Ben. I will not be called a liar. Wait, Look, what? We got to go back. There's some nips on Harley. Oh, on. yeah. Now, now go, go yeah, forward one okay, more. Yes. Look at those, Andrew. Oh, yeah. I, what you do know, you see? I don't, I don't know if those are supposed to be nips. They look like it, but yeah. they've been erased. They're well, supposed they, to be. It. They're in the spot that they're supposed to be. Yeah, no, that's what that's true. That's what when they we are. compared these two, mm -hmm. well, clearly Bruce Tim was having fun. I don't know he what sure to say was because <laughs> it doesn't show up in the others. Uh, Poison Ivy, and then of course the Woman of the Hour, Catwoman, on this, and then mm -hmm. uh, a couple other concept art things that I added from Batman: The Complete History by Les Daniels, which is Gotham City here, some Batman sketches, and more Gotham. So there we go. And now, great success. I think we are ready for the Joker's fireside. And it's that time again, kids, for another Joker's fireside chats. Welcome, kiddies, again to your Uncle Joker's fireside chat. Here, warm your hands up by the fire. I've put on an extra can of kerosene. And this letter <laughs> comes straight from little Jorge Snyder. No relation. <clears throat> Dear Uncle Joker. Leslie helped Bruce when he lost his eyesight in one episode. Not sure why Robin had to pick her up because she was in the cave before and it seemed like she drove to Wayne Manor. This was little Jorge's letter to our episode, The Unmade Batman Origin for Batman the Animated Series. Yes. Uh, so thanks, Jorge. Yes, she was in the episode Blind as a Bat. And so... I would presume this episode was written uh, sometime before that with uh, the episode Vigil by uh, Michael Reeves. But who knows? We don't really have a timeline on it. We just know that it was written at some point um, meant to be after Mask of the Phantasm. So we're looking at like the 1994 to 1995 season 
on that since Phantasm comes out in Christmas 1993. So mm -hmm. uh, thanks for that, Jorge. <laughs> Next one. He's back. All it's Braxton right. again. <laughs> Little Braxton's writing again. <laughs> I recognize that crude handwriting anywhere. Crude. All right. <laughs> Little Braxton watched our episode about ranking the bat suits in live action film and television. Little Braxton writes, Dear Unky Joker, <laughs> I think it was called the Panther suit because the costume designer said that Val Kimmer's body was slick like a panther. Mm. Oh, this <laughs> costume like designer really liked Val. Yes, it seems like it. So thanks, Braxton. All right. Yes, let us you. let us know. Yeah, let us know where you got that info. <laughs> uh, and then last one. <laughs> yeah, so right. see the sources there, but yes. thank you for the comment. <laughs> mm. This one's from Little Blue Blaze King. Kind of a weird name, but he's writing about... That's a video our... game, I think. Uh, I'm not familiar with those video games. <laughs> Beyond my time. He's writing about our episode... Uh, Penguin was Max Shrek's brother. So, Blue Blaze, he writes, Dear Uncle Joker, at 17 minutes and 27 seconds, the reason Penguin died was due to the sewer water being toxic. It was the same water he was going to dunk the kidnapped kids in. Still okay, not so, buying it. Yeah, so we still, we've gotten this before on it, and I don't know if we really addressed it in detail in the Penguin episode, but... In my rewatch of Batman Returns over Christmas, I tried to like plug this in, and it just unfortunately it doesn't work because like even though Penguin claims like I'll lead the children into the toxic waste dump in the water, it's not clear that he's dumped it in there already. The penguins, as Zach has brought up before, mm -hmm. literally dive into that water in order to go into Gotham, and then Max Shrek falls into that water himself for a bit where the, he finds the body of the dead clown in there, and the water there mm -hmm. looks pretty clean for sewer water. Um, yeah. But definitely too clean to be full of toxic waste. So I'm like, I want to buy it, but it just doesn't match up with what's there uh, on there, unfortunately. So, uh, well, oh well. Somebody will we have need an a, We need a, a coroner to rein in here to write in to superhero stuff you should know. How did the penguin die in Batman Returns? It's the second most important thing. Yes. Second most important after uh, who is he fucking? That's I think right. It was the poodle lady was the one. Poodle oh yeah, lady? The, and then there's the Organ monkey grinder thing. monkey. Yeah, yeah. Who's? How long yeah. did the monkey live after yes. the movie? Also, <laughs> we'll have yeah. a deep dive. It's coming. That's right. It's coming. So don't worry about it. Yes. Uh, but yeah, over to Andrew with the shout outs. And that was Uncle Joker's fireside chats. Superhero stuff you should know is a part of the HyperX Podcast Network. HyperX is our sponsor and the maker of the acclaimed Quadcast and Quadcast S microphones. Quadcast USB mics look and sound amazing, and they're packed with features. With four selectable polar patterns, you'll get great sound no matter what you're recording. The included shock mount and pop filter mean you won't have to shell out extra cash for a great setup. Then there's the eye-catching LED indicator and tap-to-mute sensor, so you can tap in and tap out to stop broadcast accidents. It's time for you to tap in with the HyperX Quadcast and Quadcast S. Man, thank you, Braxton Wages, and uh, everybody else that left comments. And uh, yeah, and we also want to thank our Patreon supporters who are Shasta Leom O, Super Emperor Man, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willick, Nick Noach, Jeffrey R, Asker's Web, 
Jeremy H, Alex of the What Mean Podcast, Ian Justice, Jared P, Jamie H, Rochelle L, Matthew B, Skyler, TD, Sketchcraft, Braxton W. That's wages, right? Yeah, there's <laughs> wages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We give away your last name. It's already on the <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> so, yeah. Renee V, JD, Logan Wood, who is Shane Helms, 121 on Instagram. And Griffin W, got another one. Snagged yes. another one. Yes. And then we got, thank you, uh, everybody. And then also our other supporters, Spark Again, SEC, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kukid Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, E&H, Walter the Wobot, John Wells, Rye Guy, Jackson Putnam, Dway In. And Watson, stage bat, and Joey, who is uh, who is w.media on Instagram. Please join the Shasta Army, patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. $1 tier gets you that shout out. $5 tier gets you a whole other show, everybody. It's on Fridays and cancel anytime. It's like less than a dollar a week or something, a dollar an episode mm-hmm. or less. Yep. Yeah, less, right? Yep, and we're doing deeper dives into the characters we're talking about. So we have episodes on the origin of Penguin, the origin of Catwoman, as well as the first meetings of Batman and Catwoman, all this stuff to lead up to the Batman. Indeed. And then we got the $10 tier, which is the monthly meetup. Join us to talk about Batman or other superhero stuff. Normally Batman, I guess. Uh, on uh, all All together on like a zoom like thing we interact with the listeners of the show and um you kind of like you know join an episode with us so pretty much yeah. yeah so there's that and of course if you're ten dollar if you're you know just like every patreon works if you do other patreons uh if you do the ten dollar tier you get the five dollar and one dollar tier benefits as well if you do the five dollar tier you get the one dollar tier benefit it's included so there's that mm-hmm. and then uh not as funny as it used to be, but yeah, we got the superhero, the super house, <laughs> superhero stuff pod merch, which is on Redbubble and Threadless, superhousepod.redbubble.com, superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. We got them all now. Yes. Good man, Indeed Wizard, and Zacula. The highlights. <laughs> the highlight mugs, shirts, shower curtains. I'm not kidding. You can get a shower curtain of this shit on these sites. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny, but I mean, I haven't gotten it myself. No, I have not either. I'm just saying, that's capitalism. If you want us to watch you shower, go ahead and buy the shower curtain. Yeah, I mean, we'll be facing outside, but yeah. Yes, that's true. We'll be guarding your shower from perverts. That's right. So whatever you want to do. More than likely, it would be a shirt or a mug, I guess. But the shower curtain is funny. So the option's there. So anyway, um, you got phone cases and stuff, too. iPhone cases and shit oh, like that. Nice. Um, yeah, so, yeah, all kinds of stuff on there. And then uh, the, all that artwork, not by Zach, actually. It's by Stefan Santa Cruz. Uh, and then um, send us some audio. We've been getting some trickling in. Yeah. So thank you for that, everybody. Uh, I shamed everybody enough to where <laughs> p- they're finally doing it. That's the only way to get humans to do anything. <laughs> I know. Shame. Just <laughs> ring the shame bell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so please, uh, we need more. So yeah, please send to uh, superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Send us an audio clip. It doesn't even, we've been getting great voice acting 
kind kind of stuff, which is great, of course. But mm-hmm. I'm just you don't. I'm just saying it can be like anything, really. It'd be like, hey, great episode or whatever. So yeah, um, it can be pretty casual. Anyway, I'm Thunder Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Thunderwolf Lives on YouTube. Thunderwolfdrew.com. Amonorecon.com. Uh, that's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. This is an original thing I'm working on, basically with some friends, of course. And it's, uh, you know, think basically Stranger Things and X-Files meets Power Rangers, but it's R-rated. A little bit of ass versus the Evil Dead in there. Um, bloody, like, horror comedy with, you know, a Power Ranger twist. And, uh, like... It's coming. I know I keep talking about it. But also, let me know if you are interested in... Uh, let, me, let me at least get like a verbal promise. Not a promise, but what am I trying to say? Uh, yeah, let me know in the comments if you're interested in funding this idea. Just, um, you know, let me know. And anyway, that's it for me. Ben? Shout out to Common Capital on Instagram as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. For social media, you can follow us on Twitter, Superhouse Pod, Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod, TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod, Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is Ben Juan Writer, where you can read a whole variety of different scripts. Uh, basically, all the stuff that I don't own the rights for, so I might as well give it away. So, we've got Gotham Vampire, a spec script for Gotham, where young Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk. And we also have a spec script for Elementary called The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, The Adventure of the Dying Detective. And my final one, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland. The Curb <laughs> episode they could never make where Larry goes to Disneyland. My YouTube channel is in the description below where you can also check out my audio project, Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, The Eighth Doctor Meets Miyamoto Musashi. My Instagram is Benwan Ryder. My cat's Instagram, my son, is Alfie Pennyworth Cat, and I'm going to get him right now. Hold on real quick. Sir. <laughs> He's making his cameo on this. Oh, Say visual. hi. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Hold on oh. one second. Hold on one second. We got to oh, make oh, that. Oh. There we go. Yes. Yes. So he says hi to everybody. So uh, you can follow him at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. Oh, shit. Put it up here. Whoop. <laughs> Oopsie. Yes. Uh, so there he is uh, as I torture him right now. And if you're like Catwoman, you can also get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy Catwoman and Cat Man. It has so. a quicksand uh, <laughs> kitty litter box. So. For you to kill <laughs> yeah. your enemies. <laughs> Especially the ones who conspired to throw you out the window and cover it up. Yeah. So, actually, yes. it would be amazing because the poop would just <laughs> fucking go down it, bro. That's true. Actually, we might have just invented something. Just make exactly. you're onto something, skin tight. The only problem yeah. is, how do you prevent the cat from going through? Put a the put a grade on it. A little vent. <laughs> true. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. The cat lost the cats cat are very them. nimble, bro. They will figure yeah. it out, man. They get all four legs on the side there. Yes. Uh, so if you don't have a cat but you have a dog, that's cool too because you get the bark box, y'all. Give your dog exactly what they want because apparently they want the bark box. Yes, it's a whole what bunch else of they treats. Want. That's exactly what they want. Yes. So you can uh, basically use our promo link, get the first month off free, valued at $35. You can find all this good shit over at SuperheroStuffPod.com slash shop finding all sorts of stuff including the stuff that we keep plugging the batman the complete history the definitive history of the dark knight by andrew farrago and gina mcintyre with a ton of concept art just don't read it on the toilet because you will lose circulation in your thighs it's about (laughs) four hundred thousand pages it is yes (laughs) but full of concept art so that's great over over to zach 
<laughs> well, it's just about your old Uncle Joker's bedtime, and I'm getting sleepy. So, if you want to check out some of my artworks, go to Zachary Jackson Brown Art dot com and you can follow me on instagram and on the tiktoks uh just the same name as zachary jackson brown art just check it out come yep. see all the shit i'm doing mm-hmm. oh there's some more yes yes okay or mixed with joaquin joker yeah it's pretty much yeah horror. yeah just uh yeah. Lot, mainly do horror stuff but uh i do try to sneak in some batman things every now and then mm-hmm. all awesome. right and we just, you know, like you to do us a favor. <laughs> I want you to tell all your friends about us. You're an A1 nut boy and Grissom knows it. Yeah, you've done that one already. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. Yeah, but you didn't mess up the line this time. So it's good. That's true. That's I know. True. I was thinking about it ahead of time. <laughs>